Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I appreciate all of you hanging out with me as we roll through the Wednesday edition of the program. We got some fun things to talk about today. Uh, all right. Uh, right off the top, uh, I'll give you my college football gambling picks. I got 10 winners for you. I'll break down those games. Uh, we have got uh, blockbuster news from Mexico. Alien skeletons on the congressional floor in Mexico. Who better to break it down than me? Uh, we've got uh, the Washington Post and the D.C. establishment going to war with the idea that uh, Joe Biden should be the nominee in 2024. Uh, we have got yours truly doing an incredible job of having down marker on the sideline. I'll discuss. Uh, also, inflation back up to 3.7%. How does that tie in, in my mind, with crime? And one of the Secret Service agents who was in charge of protecting John F. Kennedy has now changed his story as it pertains to the magic bullet. Uh, I, I think it is super fascinating to analyze that. Mitt Romney not running for the Senate. We will talk about that for Utah. But let's start off right now with making you money. Uh, and my effort, as always, is to get you rich. Last week did not go well. Week one, well. Week two, not so well. I am now 17 and 15 on the year. Uh, having given out, what's the math on that? 32 picks. Uh, here are my 10 winners. Start on Friday night. Virginia, Maryland. This should be a uh, should be an ACC bat. When I was in college. For much of the lives of many of you watching or listening now, Virginia-Maryland was an ACC battle. Then Maryland joined the Big Ten, and now it is ACC versus Big Ten. I love the over here, all right? The over is going to hit. Virginia can't stop anyone. They are sitting at 0-2. Maryland offensively not bad. I look at this number and I think to myself, what in the world could odds makers be thinking? I'm on the over. Let's get started with a win on Friday night. LSU at Mississippi State. Do you know what today is? What happened 15 years ago in the world of sports? One of the most beautiful football games in the history of the Southeastern Conference. Beauty, of course, in the eye of the beholder. If you had the under, it's one of the most beautiful games you've ever seen. Three to two, Auburn beat Mississippi State in Stark Vegas on what I remember to be a very rainy, I think it was like a Thursday night. Three to two was the final. Auburn got it done. Not very often you win with three points, uh, but held them to a safety. They won three two. Uh, LSU is headed to Stark Vegas this weekend. Mississippi State, 10 point underdogs at home. I'm on the Bulldogs. Uh, States won by 10, lost by three, lost by 15 in the past three years. And that last year beat was a tough one. 
Stark Vegas, three of the last four, they've covered this number, including an outright win. I'm taking Mississippi State, Klinga, grab the cowbells, plus 10. Penn State at Illinois, the over 48. You know, Penn State has scored 30 or more points nine straight games. I feel very good about penciling in 35 for Penn State in this game at Illinois. Meanwhile, Illinois has given up 28 to Toledo, 34 to Kansas. But they've scored as well. It's important I saved it till now. Tap the veins, boys and girls. Blood bank guarantee the over 48 in Penn State, Illinois. By the way, these picks are all up at OutKick. And if you want to find them, just type in Clay Travis week three gambling picks. If you want to know my pick any week, they're going to go up every Tuesday. Uh, All you have to do is type in my name and the week that we're in in college football, boom, it'll pop right up for you on Google if you're not seeing it and finding it easy. Obviously, these are all posted at OutKick. Kansas State at Missouri. Going with Kansas State minus the points. Mizzou's not very good. I know Mizzou is 2-0. They are not a good football team. Kansas State is a good football team. Last year, Kansas State blew out Missouri, winning by 23 in Manhattan, Kansas. More of the same in Columbia, Missouri. I got Kansas State minus the four and a half. South Carolina, plus 28 points at Georgia. This is a monster number. I keep losing when I bet in this series. The last three games, Georgia has won by 29, 27, and 41. I think I took South Carolina in every one of these games. I keep thinking the Gamecocks are going to play well. I'm going to make the same mistake again, potentially. I've got the Gamecocks plus 28 points in Athens. ULM at Texas A&M. Texas A&M is going to win by 50. I don't know anything about ULM. I know this. Texas A&M gave up 48 points and looked bad on the road against Miami. Coaches... Then, after a bad performance, often what do they do? They go and they blow out a bad team to try to make their fan base forget how bad they looked the week before. This is my, we want, what did I say? We got our ass kicked, so now we're going to try to kick the ass of a bad team to try and hope our fans forget about us getting our ass kicked last week. This is a special Beyond a shadow of a doubt, uh, I am on Texas A&M minus the points. They're going to win by 50. Tennessee, Florida. This is a, Look, this is not a great weekend for college football. People say, Clay, you never admit when you're wrong. Clay, you never accept responsibility when you fail. I am speaking from the heart here. I have lost... 643 consecutive bets in the Tennessee-Florida rivalry. Uh, Some of you out there right now, you're going to fact check me. Maybe CNN, maybe Media Matters, maybe Media. They're going to say, Clay, Tennessee and Florida have not played for 643 years. You're telling me that this series started in 1380? Yes, I am. 
And I'm telling you that ever since 1380, I've been wrong. Every, it doesn't matter what I bet. I even sometimes bet this game over the last 20 years in the same way that I parent. Not by making my own choice, but by trying to leave my brain and think as if I were my wife. Every married man out there right now, especially if you have kids, but even if you don't have kids, every married man out there, and I've been married 19 years, at some point in time, you have found yourself not even trying to make the decision that you think is the right one, but trying to make the decision that you think your wife would make if she had the opportunity to make the choice. Not because you're trying to make the right choice, but just because you're trying to make the choice that she will criticize you not for making. Even talking about it, I'm all twisted around in my head. Every married man, you're listening to me right now, you're like, I've been there. Should the kids be able to sleep over at their friend's house? Now, what you would say, what would your wife say if she were confronted with this question? And by the way, this is not when you can play the all-purpose, that's a mom question. I play that all the time. Kids come to me, Dad, can uh, can we go and spend the night at our friend's house? Ask your mom. Mom is unavailable. Where's mom? Her phone is dead. Mom is uh, in uh, Zumba. Mom said, whatever you do, I'm going out with my girlfriends. Don't call or text me. Just let me have a glass of wine and 10 minutes of peace. Dad's got to make a decision. What does dad do? Dad tries to climb into mom's mind and make a decision not as dad, but as mom. And oftentimes dad's still wrong. Because in general, dad is often wrong with everything. Again, married man lesson. That's how I am when it comes to Tennessee, Florida. Having said that, Tennessee is a bigger favor over favorite over Florida than they have ever been in my life. I'm not sure what the absolute latest number is. Let me check it. When I made these picks early in the week, Tennessee opened an eight and a half point favorite over Florida in the swamp. That number has continued to move, and I want to make sure that I have got the games right uh, as we look forward. This thing, I'm telling you, has moved so many different directions that I can barely keep up with it. I'm on Florida. The number is too high. There is too much that could go wrong. I have seen Tennessee collapse against really bad Florida teams. I am not willing to take Tennessee. I'm on the Gators plus seven and a half. Uh, Vanderbilt at UNLV, the under 56 and a half. Barry Odom, head coach at UNLV, formerly of the SEC at Missouri, formerly defensive coordinator at Arkansas. I think he'll be well prepared for Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. Let me just say this, don't understand the scheduling decisions. You go to Wake Forest, you go to UNLV, you're trying to qualify for a bowl game. Doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I am on the under 56 and a half. Wyoming, 
You know, Wyoming's 2-0, and including a win over Texas Tech. They're going on the road against Texas. What did Texas just do? Beat Alabama, as I told you I thought they would, plus seven. Now you're going to tell me that Wyoming, who's 2-0 and and has already beaten Texas Tech, going on the road at Austin. Texas has been celebrating for multiple days the biggest win in their program in nearly 20 years. I think that Wyoming covers plus 28 and a half. Same story. Colorado on the road at Colorado. You got the win over TCU if you're Colorado. You followed up with the win over Nebraska. Colorado State, big rival, has had a week off. They're preparing for you. And then the next two weeks for Colorado are Oregon and USC. Coach Prime is going to get his team to 3-0. and I do not think, however, that Coach Prime is going to cover for a third straight week. I am taking Colorado State plus 22.5. There you have it, boys and girls. We're going 10-0. and All right. Got to talk about it. You guys know that I am a believer in aliens having visited Earth. I even believe that it's possible that we have seen different governments, aliens, actual aliens on Earth. I believe in UFOs. I believe they've come from foreign worlds. Having said that, I don't think that Mexico suddenly showed us two different thousand-year-old extraterrestrials. If you haven't seen it, you think the American Congress is crazy. Down in Mexico, they had a guy with tablecloths covering two different, uh, two different UFOs, uh, two different aliens. And then they ripped the tablecloth right off and unveiled the aliens, and they look a little bit like E.T. and a little bit like Yoda. And let me just say this. I don't think that's very likely. There are manifold ways that aliens could look. I think the chances that they would look like E.T., who Steven Spielberg made up, or like Yoda, who George Lucas made up, pretty small, right? The odds of alien life form looking like pop culture versions of alien life form seems to me low. Just going to toss it out there. So as much as I want to believe that aliens are real, and I do, I don't believe that the unveiling in Mexico on the floor of their Congress of the two different potential alien life form skeletons are real. I hate to upset everyone, but I do believe that the truth is out there and that aliens are real. Hey, Clay Travis here. Hope you guys are enjoying OutKick. The show will have more coming back next. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, 
often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Um, speaking of aliens, did you see that Mitt Romney, who at times is much like an alien, has decided that he's not going to run for uh, the... Senate re-election. Says he's too old, it's time for him to step down. All right, I agree with him on that. But also simultaneously to that announcement is an unveiling that he has been talking for a book for two years and that he's been taking shots at everybody in the Senate. I Look, I, I love the people of Utah. Spent a lot of time out there. We're the number one radio show in Salt Lake City. I think Salt Lake City is beautiful. I love Park City. Um, I love the state of Utah. I think it is crazy that Mitt Romney was ever elected to represent Utah. And I also think it is the right move for him to decide to step down. And I think it's emblematic of the era in which we live that there's actually now more of a battle. Think about this. uh, Between establishment and anti-establishment than there even is between Democrats and Republicans. And the reason why I bring this up is I asked my audience, polled it, you can go check back a while ago. I said, if you had to vote for Mitt Romney or you had to vote for Robert F. Kennedy for president, who would you vote for? 76% of you said that you would vote, 74%, I believe it was, said that you would vote for Robert F. Kennedy Jr. That's despite the fact that only, what is it, 11 years ago, Mitt Romney was the nominee for the Republican Party to potentially be president. I think that speaks to how out of touch Mitt Romney has become with everyone. Uh, And I think he's making the right decision there. All right. Uh, We talked about this on the show this morning. And if you missed it, um, I think this is a big story. And I understand why some of you might believe that it's not a big story. Um, And so I want to pull this up. Uh, Ignatius who uh, uh, is the Washington Post, one of their most uh, most read um, columnists, has an opinion piece that is up and in this morning's Washington Post. And it says, Opinion, President Biden should not run again in 2024. And I want to hit you with a couple of lines from this opinion piece. Uh, He says, I don't think, and I'm reading from his opinion piece, I don't think Biden and Vice President Harris should run for re-election. It's painful to say that, given my admiration for much of what they have accomplished. But if he and Harris campaign together in 2024, I think Biden risks undoing his greatest achievement, which was stopping Trump. Um, And I want to continue here. Biden would carry two big liabilities into a 2024 campaign. 
he would be 82 when he began a second term. 77% of the public think he's too old to be effective for four more years. Biden's age isn't just a Fox News trope. It's the subject of dinner table conversations across America this summer. Uh, And because of their concerns about Biden's age, voters would sensibly focus on his presumptive running mate, Harris. She's less popular than Biden with a 39.5% approval rating. Harris has many laudable qualities, but the simple fact is she has failed to gain traction in the country or even with, uh, within her own party. Biden could encourage a more open vice presidential selection process that could produce a stronger running mate. There are many good alternatives, but breaking up the ticket would be a free-for-all that could alienate black women. Biden might end up more vulnerable. Uh, so this thing, this argument, Time is running out. In a month or so, this decision will be cast in in stone. It'll be too late for other Democrats, including Harris, to test themselves in primaries and see whether they have the stuff of presidential readership. Uh, So he's arguing that Biden needs to decide not to run in 2024. Implicit in this decision and why this timing is occurring now, and this is important, is because Democrats are panicked that if Joe Biden ends up stepping down and not running or having some sort of health-related concern at some point in the next 14 months, the election is in 14 months, Kamala Harris will get smoked in the general election. She is far less popular than Joe Biden is. So Democrats aren't just trying to move on from Biden. If they moved on from Biden and he had a really popular vice president, they would be very happy to do that and go younger. They're trying to move on from Biden without getting stuck with Kamala Harris. Because the challenge that Democrats have is how do you run an identity politics-based presidential campaign and party in general, identity politics obsessed, without putting the black woman who is the vice president at the top of your ticket? The answer is you have to have an open primary and the Democrat collective primary voters have to decide that they don't want Kamala Harris. So it's not any individual racism or sexism. It's the collective will of the party as a whole. See, Kamala Harris represents what Democrats want the truth to be, which is cosmetic diversity matters more than anything. They like Kamala Harris because she's black and female. The problem is, That doesn't matter. She's been bad at the job, just like Biden, who is white and male, has been bad at the job. That's because your sex and your race doesn't determine whether you're going to be good or bad at doing a job. It's a function of your ability to do the job. The meritocracy. The best man or woman wins, regardless of what their identity is. That's anti-everything that Democrats represent now. So this column doesn't happen by accident. It's been talked about for months. This will be read by Joe Biden and every other member of the Washington, D.C. political establishment. And this is a clear decision that was made to try and build an anti-Biden groundswell. 
And so there's a reason why they didn't put this column out in June or July. They waited until after Labor Day when everybody is pivoted. We're four months away from the vote starting in Iowa, and they want all of that attention now to rain down on Joe Biden and see if the momentum can build to force him out and allow an open primary process. A couple of other stories that I want to make sure uh, that I hit. Um, Inflation. New reading, 3.7%. I talked about this on Clay and Buck, but I think this is important. 3.7% inflation is measured based on last year, right? And month-to-month growth and everything else. But it's important to recognize the 9% inflation is baked in forever, right? If you're out there and you are thinking to yourself, boy, it seems like I have less money in my wallet than I used to have in my wallet. That's not your imagination. That's true. Since Joe Biden entered into office, everybody has gotten a pay cut because inflation has grown faster than wages have. So if you go to the grocery store and you're paying way more, it's because that inflation doesn't get dialed back. The double-digit inflation of last year is now baked in. And now we're talking about growing on top of that. And I keep bringing this home because I think a lot of you out there who are like me and have young families, um, every time I go to the fast food, I go through fast food a lot with my kid. And you can, I understand if you're out there and you're like, you're, you should never eat fast food. Yeah, I'm not the healthiest person on the planet. Go figure. Um, my family loves Chick-fil-A. We go through the Chick-fil-A drive-through, my family, probably once a week. That's not an exaggeration. The Travis family eats Chick-fil-A at least once a week, which means given the fact that it's closed on Sunday, one at least once every six days, either me or my wife goes through the Chick-fil-A drive-through for our family. Okay. I can't go through the Chick-fil-A drive-through for me and my kids, and oftentimes my wife without spending over $50. You used to go through the fast food drive through to save money. It was the case that fast food was way cheaper than other food you could get. I spend over $50 to get everybody in my family Chick-fil-A now when we go through. It's crazy. that Those numbers don't get dialed back. They're baked in now forever. So Joe Biden creating nearly double-digit inflation last year, that dollar figure of inflation cost is never going away. So when you see, oh, inflation is up 3.7%, it's up 3.7% on top of the double digits that have been built since Joe Biden became commander-in-chief. This is a big deal. And I know innately lots of people understand it, but they don't really think about it. That double-digit inflation is locked in now forever. You don't ever get that back. And now we're still building 3.7% on top of it. So if you're going to the grocery store, if you're going through the Chick-fil-A drive-thru like I am once a week, the cost is crazy. And this also applies, if you heard me talking about it, with crime. What do I mean by crime. Some cities now, they are saying, oh, 
murder's coming back down. It's not as big of a deal now. Some places, murder's still going up. But the numbers are coming down based off baked-in all-time highs. So if somebody says, oh, in 2022, let's just say murder declined by 7% or 6%, it's declining off of all-time highs, which means if you look at it in the context of pre-COVID, pre-George Floyd, pre-defund the police, the numbers are actually triple and quadruple in some cities what they were before the George Floyd defund the police BLM protest started. So we're talking about coming back down off of the highs. The way to measure this is similar for inflation, not by what's happened year to year, but why what's happened this year compared to a couple of years ago. And if that is still going on, then the numbers have often doubled or tripled, or in the case of like Portland, quadrupling the number of murders that used to happen. So, and I wrote about this in my book, Portland, for instance, for most of the 21st century, had around 20 murders a year. City of Portland, very safe, around 20 murders a year. What happened, I write about this in American Playbook, so I'm doing it off the top of my head, I'm not reading directly from it, But suddenly, in the wake of the George Floyd protest and the massive amounts of crime, violent crime that that grew, the murder rate suddenly went all the way up to like 80 murders a year in Portland, quadrupled what it was before. Well, then if it comes back down, let's say, to 75, yes, it's declining from highs, but what you're actually doing is baking in a new artificial high. And in the case of murders, you're allowing thousands of additional murders to occur while claiming that things are better. Things may be a scintilla better. It's not even better in a lot of places, like Washington, D.C., still setting all-time highs. But some of the places that are claiming, oh, things are getting better, not really. You're just baking in that we have a new normal, and it's double or triple or right around an all-time high. And it's the same thing with inflation. We've baked in a new normal. You don't ever get to go back to the normal. That's why for people out there who say, I don't understand why people aren't happier because they know that they're paying way more money for the same stuff and they have less money in their pocket since Joe Biden became president than they did before. They're not crazy. Finally, and I saw this story. I thought, oh man, I need to talk about this. One of the Secret Service agents who was... uh, on the John F. Kennedy detail in Dallas in 1963 when JFK was murdered, has come out and said he's changing his story as to what happened on that day back in November of 1963. Almost 60 years ago to the day, he's written a new book. Um, And I want to make sure that I get his name right. I uh, uh, I sent out this article... And we wrote about it at OutKick, so I would encourage you guys to check it out as well. Uh, Paul Landis, he was just a few feet away from John F. Kennedy when he was uh, murdered, assassinated in 1963. And he says uh, that his recollection 
which he gave to the Warren Commission. Um, he's got a new memoir that he's writing. Uh, he says that he did not get everything right, and he's changing part of his story. And that part of his story is how the so-called magic bullet came to be found. He said um, that the copper-jacketed 6.5-millimeter projectile um, the Warren Commission decided one of the bullets fired that day, I'm reading from the New York Times story, struck the president from behind, exited from the front of his throat, continued on to hit Mr. Connolly, somehow managed to injure his back, chest, wrist, and thigh. Uh, that is the magic bullet theory. Uh, and they said they found the bullet at uh, Parkland Memorial Hospital in Dallas where Connolly was. He was the governor of Texas at the time. Uh, but Mr. Landis, who says he was never interviewed by the Warren Commission, said that's not what happened. In fact, he said he found that bullet, and he found it not in the hospital near Mr. Connolly, but in the presidential limousine lodged in the back of the seat behind where Kennedy was sitting. He said he spotted the bullet after the motorcade arrived at the hospital, and he grabbed it to thwart souvenir hunters. And he says he doesn't know why exactly he did it, but he placed it next to Kennedy on the president's stretcher, uh, assuming it could help doctors figure out what happened. At some point, he thinks the stretchers must have been put close together and the bullet fell off, and that is, uh, uh, that is what happened. He thinks this bullet struck Kennedy in the back, but for some reason was undercharged, didn't penetrate deeply, and therefore, it popped back out uh, into the uh, into the car. Um, and he says he always believed Lee Harvey Oswald was the lone gunman. But now, at this point, I'm beginning to doubt myself. Now I begin to wonder. That's as far as he will go. Uh, this guy was in his 20s when this all happened. Um, and now some people are asking, you know, wait a minute, was this true? Is it not true? I do think that uh, the bullet discovery is an important aspect here, um, and his his recollection is uh, is tough. I think it's worth. Uh, at, let me just read what he says. This is the New York Times telling his story. At the first shot, Mr. Landis turned to look over his right shoulder in the direction of the sound, but spotted nothing. Then he turned to the limousine and saw Kennedy raising his arms, evidently hit. Suddenly, Mr. Landis noticed Mr. Hill, another Secret Service agent, had leapt off their follow-up car and was sprinting toward the limousine. Mr. Landis thought about doing the same, but he didn't have an angle. He said he heard a second shot that sounded louder and finally the fatal third shot that hit Kennedy in the head. This is gross. Mr. Landis had to duck to avoid being splattered by flesh and brain matter. He knew instantly the president was dead. Mr. Hill, now on the back of the limousine, turned back and confirmed it with a thumbs down. Once they reached the hospital, Mr. Hill and Mr. Landis coaxed the distraught first lady to let go of her husband so he could be taken inside. After they exited the car, Mr. Landis noticed two bullet fragments in a pool of bright red blood. 
He fingered one of them but put it back. That's when he said he noticed the intact bullet in the seam of the tufted dark leather cushioning. He said he slipped it into his coat pocket, headed into the hospital, where he planned to give it to a supervisor, but in the confusion, instinctively put it on Kennedy's stretcher instead. The hospital's senior engineer later found it when he was moving Mr. Connolly's stretcher, by then empty, and bumped it against another stretcher in the hall, resulting in the bullet falling out. Uh, so, uh, again, I, I just think this is an interesting story. Will we ever know the full story of what happened with the Kennedy assassination? I don't know. But the fact that nearly 60 years after the fact, um, a Secret Service agent who was there is now changing his story about what happened with that so-called magic bullet, uh, I thought was worthy of discussion. All right. Tomorrow, I will give you the OutKick six-pack. I will get you all prepared for the NFL weekend to come. I appreciate all of you. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. This has been OutKick, the show.